You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. Good, yeah, eat too much food. I am still full from Thanksgiving. Little controversial thing here, um, Christmas is coming, and Christmas is way better. Like, Christmas lights, Christmas music, Christmas everything. And so today, a lot of us know, like, that Jesus came into the world on Christmas, but a lot of us don't really know why. So today, we're going to kind of look into that. If you would, grab your Bibles and turn to First Timothy uh, chapter 1. We're going to begin verses 15 through 17. So I'll let you guys get there. Uh, just for some context, uh, this book was written by Paul. And Paul used to be a Pharisee, and he used to persecute Christians, and he used to go through all this... Um, he used to persecute Christians and kill Christians, and he wasn't a great guy. That was all before his conversion to become a Christian, though. After that, now he's writing to Timothy, who, you know, he's, he's realized he might, he's not going to be on earth forever. And so he's writing to Timothy so that hopefully he can keep up the good fight. So we're going to go into uh, verse 15. Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I wish on mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'll go ahead and break that down for you guys because I know that was a lot. So right at the very beginning, Paul lets us know, I don't know if you guys have read other letters by Paul, but he's super good at letting us know when things are important. So straight up, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And that's Paul saying, hey, like this is super important, what I'm about to say is super important. He goes in to say that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's really the whole main point of why Jesus came to the world. Like, he, he came to save sinners, and he came to save all the sinners. But it's not just he came in and, you know, you get a free pass or whatever. Uh, he says that believe in him for eternal life. And that reminds me of Mark 2.17, where Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to save the righteous, but to save the sinners. And that's not God saying, like, I'm not going to save everyone. I'm only going to save a few people. Back in Jesus' time, uh, there were Pharisees, and they thought they were too good for Jesus, or they were too good to follow. So if we're all sick, if we all sin, which is true, um, we, we have to realize that we're sick. And sometimes when we're sick, we don't want to go to the doctor, and we don't want to get treatment. But if Jesus is our doctor for sin, uh, we need to run to him, and that's how we will be saved. So in order to be saved from being sick, we have to get run to a doctor. And if we look back in verse 13, Paul was clearly a sinner. He says, even though, I want, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy. So Paul kind of shows that he was a bad guy. And that proves to us that Paul's, um, Paul, God saving Paul wasn't based on Paul's condition. God did that all by himself, meaning that God will have everything done in his own time. So I'll jump again, uh, hop down to verse 16. It says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who are to believe in him and receive eternal life. And so right here, Paul is offering himself as a case study. And that really means that Paul's letting us look into his life and say, hey, I was a bad guy and I did all these horrible things, but God saved me and he can do that to you too. And so now none of us can be like, well, you know, I committed that one sin and now God will never save me or I'm way too far away from God. I don't, I don't know if he can ever save me. None of us can say that anymore. Um, because Paul shows us that even though he was the worst of sinners, as he called himself, God still saved him. And I think it's important here to, to really dive into what sin is. A lot of us think, well, 
you know, I've never killed anybody, hopefully, or I've never, uh, you know, hit, I don't hit people. I'm, I think I'm a pretty good guy. But an actual definition of sin is anything that takes the glory away from God. And so, you know, while Paul killed Christians and was a false teacher, all sin is the same to God. And while we probably haven't outwardly persecuted Christians or given false teachings about God or slandered God or any of the things Paul used to do, we still gossip about the kid next to us in science class, maybe. Maybe we argue back to our parents. Maybe, maybe we have bad thoughts. And no matter the earthly consequences of our sin, it's all sin in the eyes of God. And all sin is equal. But with that being said, no matter how big our sin is, God is able to penetrate straight through that to get to our hearts. So I like to think of it like this. If you think of your sin as a steel beam or a brick or something, I can't walk up and just stick my hand right through a steel beam, right? Like, if I could, that'd be great. I'd be like Captain America or Thor or whatever. But I can't. I need like a welder or maybe I need a drill or something. And in the same way, I can't break through my own sin and you can't break through your own sin and save yourself from the consequences of sin. Jesus has got to do that. And so... We can't use ourselves, but we can use Jesus. And Jesus' love is so strong that he can break through our sin to get to our hearts. His love is so strong that he can break through our sin, no matter what it is, to get to our hearts. And God is able to do this time and time again, because if we look back, back in verse 16, he says that Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I don't know if you guys caught that, but God uh, has eternal patience, which... For me, I'm super grateful for it because there's been many times when I've been like, whatever, I'll get that later. Or like, I'm going to do my own thing, God. And he's always there. He's always waiting, just, just waiting right behind us because he's super patient. And so I know all of us have had a time when we're impatient because, including me, we still love Christmas, right? We love getting Christmas presents. And so, you know, it's, it's the day, it's Christmas day, or sorry, Christmas Eve day, and you're super excited. So you're going to wear yourself out, right? You're going to be like, I'm going to go to sleep super early tonight. Um, I'm going to wear myself. I'm going to run around all day so I'll be tired. And Eventually, it's 10.30, and your parents are like, hey, it's time to go to bed. I don't want you to wake me up till 6 or maybe 7 tomorrow. In my house, it was always 6. And so you're like, okay, I'll go to bed because that'll make the day go by faster, right? And then I get my presents faster. So you go lay in bed, and it's 11.30, and then 12, and you finally get some sleep, and you wake up, and you're like, it's present time. And you look at the clock, and it's, it's 2.30. And you're like, well, can't get up yet. And, you, you know, you roll around a little bit. You open your eyes again, and it's 3. And then it's 3.30, and then... It's 4.30, and you don't think Christmas is ever really going to come. And so eventually it's 5, and you're like, okay, whatever. I, I can't wait anymore. So I'm gonna gra- I used to go grab my siblings, and we'd sit on the top of the stairs, or maybe we'd go sit in the living room and just stare at the presents and wonder what's in that ginormous box, which ends up just being more boxes that you just keep opening, and it's just something tiny. It's like a gift card or something. But you keep waiting, and eventually the clock is like 5.45, and at this point you're like, okay, Maybe if I count to 60 15 times, it'll just go by so much faster. Like, that's, that's the point you're at. You're counting seconds now, right? You're, like, dividing it up into intervals, doing the exact math. And then it gets to 550, and you've got 10 minutes, but you're like, eh, what's 10 minutes going to hurt, right? Like, is that going to hurt anybody? And you, you're so excited about your presence that you just you can't hold your patience in anymore. You just bust in that room and say, let's go get these presents. And it's just it's super exciting. Um, and we can't, hold our, we can't hold our excitement in, and our parents are upset because they're old, and apparently they need sleep or whatever, and they're like, I want to go back to sleep. Uh, give me a second to get changed. Um, but God isn't like that, guys. God's patience is eternal, and God's patience is perfect. God was patient with Paul because he had a plan for Paul. Guys, he knew that Paul would plant hundreds of churches, and because of Paul, thousands of people would get saved. And in the same way, he has a plan for your life and for my life. So no matter how long it takes you to come to God, he has a plan for your life. All we have to do is believe in him for eternal life. 
but I don't want to make you think that believing is just super easy. Like, I can believe there's a God, and the Bible says that even the demons believe in God, and uh, they believe that he exists, and, and the kingdom, and everything, but they don't rest in what we rest in. They don't, they aren't happy with the fact that Jesus died on the cross to save us. That's us, and so being a Christian is more than just believing, guys. Being a Christian is waking up every morning and saying, I'm going to take up my cross today, and I'm going to do whatever I can to work for the kingdom. Being a Christian is constant work. Um, Then we jump into verse 17. This is my absolute favorite part. Paul says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And you might not have caught how cool that was, because this is Paul just worshiping for everything he's done. Um, Paul just has gone through the stuff of, wow, I'm the worst sinner, and God has still saved me, and he has a plan for my life, and he's gone through all that, and now he's praising him. Um, if we look over it again, we can see that he lists the qualities of God, which actually teaches us a lot about God. He says that he is the king eternal. And if any of you guys went to fall retreat, I see some fall retreat hoodies up there. We learned about King Jesus is eternal, and he will reign forever. Um, we learned that he is, over, he is over all the world. He's over all the men and all the angels. He's over the wind and the waves. Like, you know how badly I wish I could go outside, and it's cold and windy, and I'm like, ah, it's cold, stop windy. You know, like, I can't do that. Or it's like, I want to go swim in the beach, but it's too wavy, so i got to, like, calm the waves down. Like, we can't do that. That's only God. He is the king eternal. He has authority over everything. Uh, Paul says that God is immortal. He's forever. He is beyond the reaches of death, and he doesn't get tired. Like, God's been doing this whole king of the universe thing for a while. It'd be super easy for him to be like, yeah, I'm just going to rest. Whatever, y'all got it. But he doesn't, and I'm so glad about that. Uh, He is forever, and he already holds the keys to death in his hand. When he was on earth, when he came, when Jesus came, he died, but he defeated death. So while the the battles still go on, the war has already been won. Paul says that God is invisible, and he's outside of time. And like I just said, he's not constrained by the physical body. He he is not constrained by the physical, and he's already beat death. Mankind can't begin to wrap their heads around God. And I get it; that might be confusing for some of you guys, like. Why would I become a Christian if I don't really know, if I can't wrap my head around this whole God thing? Because it is confusing. But I think what's important is that we find beauty in the fact that God is, can be everywhere at one time, and God can answer all of our prayers at one time. And finally, Paul says, to the only God. And this shows God's supremacy. This shows that he is the only living God, and the only God that has authority over earth, like I said. I know you guys have heard stories about people praying to other gods and nothing happens, and then they pray, and Jesus, you know, answers all their prayers. There's so many examples in the Old Testament. And then that's where Paul finishes off. He says, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I think that's my favorite part, because he's praising the God that he just described and that we learned so much about. He's praising the God that saved him from his sin. And so I think here, there is some calls to action. So for Christians in the room, Paul was radically changed by God. Paul knew that He was deep in his sin after he met Jesus, and actually when he met Jesus on the way to Damascus, he was going to persecute other churches, and he wanted Christianity wiped off the face of the earth, and he knew his sin, but he realized that God saved him, and he knew that was super important to him, and he knew that he couldn't keep that to himself. He had to share that with everybody in the world. Uh, I heard a story about a magic, uh, magic, a magician, that's the word. He was doing a magic show, and a guy came up to him after the show and started telling him about Jesus. Now, this magician wasn't a Christian. He was actually openly an atheist. He didn't believe in God at all. And somebody was like, hey man, does it bother you when, uh, when Christians come up and share their testimony? He's like, no, not at all. Because if I believed in that stuff and I knew that there was a hell and people were going, how much would I have to hate somebody to not tell them? 
Like, seriously, think about that. If God has truly rescued you, how much would you have to hate somebody to not tell them where they could be going? So I think our call to action here is to really, no matter what you may look like in school, to share the gospel. We may look like idiots, like we may look dumb to the world, but in God's eyes, we're going to get rewarded for that. And in eternity, that doesn't really matter. For my non-Christians in here, maybe you've never heard the real reason that Jesus did come to the earth, and maybe you didn't know that he did it all, maybe you don't believe that yet. But maybe you're at the point also where you're, you're too far away from God, you think, or maybe I've committed this one sin and I, I can't go back to God. Like, he'll never take me back. But I'm here to tell you that just like Paul, he will take you back. He promises that he will take you back and he has not broken a promise. I can promise you that God is patient and God does have a plan for your life. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day and showing us that you do have a purpose for our life and you do have a plan for our life. God, I ask that as we go out today, we, we will share your word and we will be lights for you. God, thank you for sending your son to die on this earth to save everyone alike. Save everyone, Christians. I'm sorry, excuse me. Save everyone, even the worst of sinners. God, we thank you for this day. Please help us to be good lights for you. Amen.